0: Well, this morning um I I've got kind of a, a thing I've been been thinking about. The thing I've been thinking about is this is I I wonder I wonder what I would have if I didn't know what everyone else had. You know, like whenever um Kate and I got married. Uh, we were just finishing up college. And, and Darren and I, all we had was like a 28-inch tube TV in our dorm room. You know, that's all we had. But, you know, that's like when flat screens started to come out and stuff. And my, some, I forget who even who it was, but somebody bought, Kate and I, as a wedding present, a 40-inch flat screen TV. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I've made it. You know, a 40 inch plasma, flat screen TV. I didn't even have it mounted on the wall. I didn't even know if that was a thing yet, but I had it sitting there, you know, with my Xbox and my Blu-ray player. And I was like, oh my goodness, what more could a man want? And then I met someone with a 55 inch TV. And then a few years later, I actually found a 55 inch TV. I thought it was, I remember it was at Best Buy at Mid Rivers. It was somebody had opened it, took it out of the box, put it back. So it was like marked down, like stupid, ridiculous. And I got a 55 inch TV and I was like, yes, I got a 55 inch TV. And then I went to somebody's house. They go to our church. Their name shall remain nameless, but they drum over there and they had an even bigger TV. <laughs> And I thought, my gosh, I didn't even know a TV like this existed. But I never would have even thought about it if I didn't know other people had bigger TVs, right? Or how about this? I wonder, I wonder what I would want if I didn't know what everyone else wanted. I have this thing on my list, and thank God I can't find it anywhere, but it's called a Ninja Creamy. Has anybody seen this on their TikTok? Now that I've spoken it, your phones are all listening to me. All of you will have Ninja Creamy, Ninja Creamy. Ninja Creamy is going to be, it's this ice cream maker, okay? And here's how they get you on TikTok. They tell you, oh, you could make healthy ice cream with cottage cheese. I have no interest in that. I want to make my own ice cream with Kit Kats every night. That's what I want to make. But I want this ninja creamy, but I went looking for it. You can't find it anywhere. And you know what? That makes me want it more because I want to be the special child who has a ninja creamy, you know? But if I didn't know what that everybody else wanted it, I really, I don't know. Maybe I wouldn't even wonder it. Or, or how about this? I wonder, I wonder how much I would save if I didn't know what everyone else spent their money on. Because so many times we go on vacations and we don't go on too outlandish of vacations or anything like that. But it doesn't matter what we do. We, we'll go on a vacation. We'll stay at a hotel for a few nights. And it doesn't matter how much we spend. My wife will look at it and go, oh, my goodness, I can't believe we're spending that much. And do you know what I do? I want to go, honey, your conscience should be totally clear. Did you see what the so-and-sos did for vacation? I mean, they went to Disney. Disney. Nine times in a row, okay? They're living at Disney. We should not feel bad, okay? And they're our neighbors, okay? So we shouldn't feel bad at all about what we spend because it's not like we're living at Disney. I took you to Branson for two days, sweetie. Okay, that's the trailer park of Disney. (laughs) Don't feel bad, But it's true, right? I mean, if I I didn't even know what other people spent, I mean, I probably would save my money. I'd probably be a little bit more conservative. But the truth is for every single one of us, I know too much about what others have and I know too much about what others have that I don't. And here's the danger of that. This has the potential to make me very dangerously discontent. And when I'm dangerously discontent, I'm not in a very safe place. So, for the last couple weeks, we've been talking about guardrails. And if you don't know what a guardrail is, I'll I'll refresh you real quick. A guardrail, a guardrail is a system designed to keep vehicles from straying into dangerous or off-limit areas. And you usually find them at bridges and medians and curves. And the thing about guardrails is they're always placed in the safety zone, right? You never find them in the danger zone. They're in the safety zone. There's a a little bit of a gap there. doesn't get you right up next to the line. It's it's always placed in the safety zone. And the reason they're there is to minimize damage. Because if you run into a guardrail, it's minimal damage compared to if you had gone off the road and, and into a creek or off the road into another lane of traffic. It's minimal. And the reason we're talking about this is because all of us need some guardrails in our life. And it's a personal decision that you have to make. And it's not a conversation of right and wrong. It's a conversation of what is wise. The way we ask that question around here, we didn't come up with it. Andy Stanley did 10 years ago. Is in light of my past experiences, my current circumstances, and my future hopes and dreams. What's the wise thing for me to do? What's the wise thing for me to do? Not what everybody else is doing. And if we ask ourselves that question and understand that, we can, build, we can begin to build some guardrails around our life. We talked about guardrails around friendships and, and friends and family. We talked about uh, different kind of guardrails around our sexual integrity. We we're, we're talk about guardrails around our professional integrity. But the thing is, is we all need some guardrails. And what a guardrail does, when I make it for myself, it becomes a standard of behavior that becomes a matter of conscience. So that just how like my car navigate, helps me navigate when I'm making a wrong turn or when I'm starting to get out of my lane, just the way, the same way a rumble strip on the side of the highway, what it's there for is to remind me that, that I'm about to go out of my lane, that I'm about to veer off course. And we all need that. We all need something to ding our conscience when we are potentially putting ourselves in a dangerous situation. And so this week we're going to talk about Financial guardrails, which money at church, always everybody's favorite topic. If you're new here today or if you're visiting, you're like terrific. I just came on the perfect Sunday. This is why I stopped going to church for 10 years because the church talks about money. Because here's the belief. The word on the street is this. The church is against sex and the church just wants my money, right? We've all said it. We've all thought it. Now, here's the thing. I think we've kind of covered the whole, the church is against sex thing. Okay. Because for the last four out of my six sermons have been about sex. Okay. See, now the visitors are going, we came on the wrong Sunday. We, we should have been here a month ago. As a matter of fact, (laughs) I, I went to supplement superstore this week. I'm friends with all those guys. I went to supplement superstore and I went in and one of the guys goes, Mike, what is going on at your church? (laughs) And I said, what are you talking about? He goes, bro, goes I've been watching your clips last four out of the six weeks. You've been talking about sex. My church last week, all they gave me was a towel to swing around my head. He's like, I'm going to start watching your church. I'm like, that's really cool. So look, I think we've covered that. Okay. We are not against sex. Let me say it publicly live right here on camera. Anchored hope loves sex. Okay. (laughs) Clip that. Clip it. Tweet it. Thread it. Okay? Right. right. We've got that covered. All right? Now, let's talk about money now that we've got that covered. No one's coming back next week. All right. <laughs> the doors are locked. You can't leave. All right? But let's talk about the money thing. Right? The church just wants my... Money. But look, if you're around here long enough, and some of you, you've been around here long enough to know this, okay? I, we're not about money around here. Somebody somebody stopped me last week in the lobby. I was standing in the lobby talking to people, and somebody came up to me, and they said, Pastor, where in the world do I put my offering?" And I was like, oh, there's a little box right here because we, we have online giving and we have a little donation box in the in, in the lobby. And she goes, okay, good, because I was wondering. She goes, I'm just so used to a church experience where at some point somebody's going to come by me with a KFC bucket and shake it in my face until I put something in there or a little gold plate with a little velvet bottom, you know, and I'm going to feel bad because they all leave the lights on at the Baptist church, you know. And so if, if I don't put something in there, they're going to see it. And so I was just wondering. And... It's true. We don't pass the plate around here. We don't do that. And and we don't shake you down with money. We have online giving. We have a drop box for physical donations in in, in the lobby. And half the time during announcements, I don't. I don't bring it up and I forget it. The leadership team loves that. No, they don't. Um, But we don't because here's the thing. This is the truth. We don't want your money. We don't. We don't want something from you. We want something for you. Okay? And we want to make that clear as day. We do not want anything from you. We want something for you. And here's, here's our belief. This is part of our culture is that we believe we don't need to shake you down for money. We believe that if God, if we, if you come here and you have a good experience and you're inspired to follow Jesus, that when Jesus gets a hold of you and you make the decision to follow him, you will give him not just parts of your life, but you will give him all of your life. And when you're inspired to follow Jesus and you make that decision, you will be so changed that you'll go, you know what? I want other people to experience what I've experienced. I want everybody in all of the environments that Anchored Hope creates to inspire people to follow Jesus. I want people to experience what I've experienced. And you will give, not because we shook you down with a KFC bucket. Not because we had a giving campaign. You will give out of the generosity of your heart because you want to help others find Jesus. That's what we believe. And that's why we don't shake you down for money. So here's the thing. We're going to talk about money. And the temptation would be to tune me out. But I don't want you to tune me out. I want you to hold on to this. Because Jesus talked more about money and sex than he did about heaven. Jesus talked about this a lot because this was a huge deal. And the conversation was never about staying out of debt. The conversation was never about saving or or getting rich. The conversation was much, much more important about that. And this is how Jesus puts it. Jesus says in Matthew, and Matthew was there, he wrote this down. He says, no one can serve two masters. Now, that word master means to be in the possession of somebody. And so here's what Jesus is saying He's saying, You can only be the possession of one thing. Now, I know what you're thinking nobody owns me. I like. I don't even have one master, let alone two, you know. But this is the genius of Jesus. Jesus kind of pulls you in. He says this blanket statement. You can't have two masters. Well, I don't even have one, Jesus. What do you mean? And it just makes you curious about what he's going to say next, about what even are these possible two masters. And so Jesus continues, and he says this. He says, either you will hate the one, Or you'll love the other. Or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. So he says, look, these two things are in competition with one another. These two things, you're going to either love one and hate the other. You're going to serve one and just despise the other, ignore the other. And again, he's got you, he's got you roped in. You're going, what in the world are these two, these two things that are in, in conflict with one another? And then this is what Jesus says. He says, "You cannot serve both God and." And if you've never heard the verse before, if you've never if you've never read this before, for a minute you might think you cannot serve both God and. You'd think it would say you'd say Satan, right? You'd think it'd be like, "Oh yeah, it's God and Satan. Those are the two uh, forces that are you know at war with one another, the light and the dark." But you know what? It's actually not what Jesus says. He says, "You cannot serve both God." And money. And that word money, that word money means stuff. So when Jesus says this in the original Greek, he says, You cannot serve both God and stuff money can buy. Is probably the best translation of this verse. You cannot serve both God and stuff money can buy. And here's the thing. We don't think of ourselves as serving money serving stuff, but that word stuff means to submit to or to make your ultimate, to give all of yourself to. And what's so interesting is when Jesus talks... I mean, this is Jesus. This is God in human form, giving us God's opinion. He's right in front of these men, and he's, he's given us the, the lowdown, something that nobody else had ever been able to think about before, something that nobody else had been able to write before. And Jesus is standing in front of them, giving them a TED Talk on what the chief competition for your affection and heart is. What is it? What's God's chief competition that he has? It's the stuff that money can buy. It's the vacations. It's the houses. It's the cars. It's the electronics. It's the coffee. It's the food. It's the Amazon Prime. He says, this is the chief competition for your heart. And again, most of us think, well, I don't give myself to stuff though. But think about it. We all give ourselves to something. We all buy into something both physically and emotionally. And and why would we ever buy into something or submit ourselves to something or serve something? And the reason is this. It's because of what it promises you. And here's the truth. God makes promises to us. There are promises all throughout Scripture. Things that Christ promises to us. But at the same time, doesn't stuff promise things to us as well? Isn't that what an advertisement is? (laughs) I mean, an advertisement... There's a promise that if you buy this thing, it will make you happy. If you buy this thing, you will feel good. If you buy this thing, you will be at peace. If you buy this thing, you will never want any other thing. This will be the end all be all. It will satisfy you. It will complete your life. It will make your life so much easier. That's what stuff does. It makes promises to us. And whether it's the promises of God or the promises of stuff, all of us eventually buy into those promises and going. Yes, that's what I need. Even though it's not necessarily a thing we need, it's a thing we want, but we call it a need because we don't want the thing. What we need is the promise that it makes to us. And we want to feel that. We want to experience that. And Jesus says, look, the chief competition for your heart, for your soul, is the promises that God makes and the promises that stuff makes. And so the question that Jesus wants, wants us to ponder is this. Do, do we have money or does money have us? Do we use it or does it possess or own us? And all of us would say, hey, this is, this is not a problem because here's the thing. No, no, money, money doesn't have me. Go to that next slide. No, money doesn't have me. It can't because I don't have enough of it for it to have me. Problem solved, Pastor. I, I'm there. I mean, look, I got, I got nothing in here, right? I'm all good. Wow, well, geez, I, I passed this test, right? But here's the thing: it's not about how much you have. It's not a question of how much you have or how much you make, because it doesn't matter what you make or what you have. We could all fall into this trap. The question is, is what is your ultimate? What's your ultimate? Because here's the thing. If in your life, the way you live your life, is that your ultimate that you're looking for is the ultimate job, with the ultimate pay, with the ultimate hours, with the ultimate vacation, so you can go on the ultimate vacation to go and do the ultimate stuff so that you can experience the ultimate food and the ultimate drink, and you can go there in your ultimate car and then go back home to your ultimate house with your ultimate stuff and drink your ultimate whatever it may be, then here's the thing. You've chosen your ultimate. If that's your drive in life, then that means you've chosen your ultimate. And whatever your ultimate is, whatever that drive is, guess what? That has become your master. That has become the thing that you want in your heart most of all. That is your top priority. And that's what Jesus talks about when he talks about this. When he begins to break it down, he begins to break down. Look, it's about your priorities. And this is what he says. He says, but, and when he says but, he's offering an alternative. Every time Jesus does this, he always does this play. He says, now here's the way you've heard it or here's the way you know it. But let me offer you an alternative. And this is the kingdom way. This is the Jesus way. This is the Christ-like way. He says, but seek first. Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. See, here's the thing. When Jesus talks about his kingdom, it's kind of a broad topic. We don't always know what that means. The kingdom of God, right? Jesus says the kingdom of God is here. Exactly. What does that even mean? But here's the thing is when we talk about the kingdom of God, Jesus's kingdom is an other's first kingdom. This is the chief characteristic of Jesus' kingdom. Jesus' kingdom is an other's first kingdom. So when he says seek first the kingdom of God, he's saying seek first opportunities and ways to put the person beside you in front of you. Because that is the kingdom way. That is what the kingdom of God is all about. The kingdom of God is about helping the least of these. The kingdom of God is about taking care of people's physical needs, emotional needs, mental needs, spiritual needs, relational needs. He says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to reprioritize this. And I want you to seek first ways to participate in the kingdom of God, which is all about putting others first. Now, here's the thing. Again, most pastors, most people who preach on this, and that's why we're starting this new giving campaign. But that's not it. Because here's the thing. When people talk about this, the church is not the kingdom of God. Here's the way I would put it. Anchored hope is not the kingdom. Anchored hope is participating in the kingdom of God. And here's what we we want you to believe. We want you to believe that you are. it is your personal decision. It is your personal duty to God as a follower of God to participate in the kingdom of God. But that could be literally anywhere. I don't care where that is. There's so many places. This is not the only active place where the kingdom of God is at work. There are plenty of places where the kingdom of God is at work. And what you're called to do is to participate in that. One way or the other. Now, if that's an anchored hope, fantastic. But whether that be somewhere else, like Shielded by Faith, which is an excellent woman's recovery center just across the street from us, or whether that be the Dream Center, or whatever other non-for-profit where the kingdom of God is at work, whatever that may be, Jesus says, you need to participate in these places. You should seek first ways to put others first. See, here's the thing. It's, a, it's about putting the other person first. And then he says this. He says, and here's the thing. If you seek first his kingdom and righteousness, all these other things will be given to you as well. See, here's the thing. This isn't an either or scenario. This is not an either or scenario. This is a first then second scenario. It's about reprioritizing. It's about what comes first, because here's the truth. Whatever comes first has your heart. Whatever comes first, that is your ultimate. Whatever comes first is what you care about most. And the question is, do you care about yourself most? Or do you care about others most? And this is why this is so important to do here on earth. Why on earth is this such a big discussion? Why was this such a big deal to Jesus? And the reason is this. is because we're practicing here on earth what God expects expects us to do for eternity in heaven. Jesus shortly after this would have a conversation with him. And he says, boys, I'll tell you the truth. It's going to be really hard for the rich to enter into the kingdom of God. And they go, why? Oh, he goes, oh, because they're going to hate it. They're going to hate it there because here's the truth. Here's the honest thing. And this is primarily probably an American problem more than it is anywhere else is we we've even created this idea in the church decades ago. There are so many people who believe that they are going to go to heaven, walk down their streets of gold and run into their big, big house mansion that they've earned somehow by all the good things that they did in the church. And they're going to walk up to this big, big house with this big, big yard, with this big, big table, with this big, big food. And they're going to be like, oh, my gosh, look at me. at How many windows this place has? Because I was such a good person on earth. And here's the truth. That is a bunch of bull. It's a bunch of bull. Because when we get to heaven, if it's going back to the Garden of Eden, guess what? We're going to have jobs. We're going to be a community. We're going to take care of each other. We're going to put others first. We're going to be a people who are together, not a people who are living in mansions on their own private plot of land while all the other people who didn't do good things, you know, enjoy their tents out in our front yard. That's not the situation we're looking at. Jesus is going, look, I I need you to practice this now because if you don't practice putting others first here on earth, man, you're going to hate heaven. Because heaven... It's about loving God and loving others. And so you need to practice putting others first. And look, we all know this. Even if you're not a Christian, you can think about this practically. Because we all know, when, when we don't put others first, when I come first... We know what kind of world that creates. We know what that looks like. A lot of us, we live in that world all the time. What it looks like when we put ourselves first, well, it's a race to get ahead. People take advantage of people. People hoard what they have. There's a winner and there's a loser and it's survival of the fittest. When I live for me, when I make sure I come first, it creates chaos eventually somebody loses, eventually somebody falls behind. And so a lot of us, the way we live our life, what Jesus was talking about, about what we usually seek first, a lot of us, the way we live our life is this. We live, we save, and then we give. We live, we save, and then we give. As soon as that paycheck comes, out the door it goes. Got to live. Woo, we got money. All right, let's go. And it's gone. And then, if there's any left over after we've lived and had a good time, then we save, right? Maybe we'll be able to put some away this month. Maybe we'll be able to save a little bit. Maybe we'll be able to put something towards kids' college. Maybe we'll be able to put something towards retirement. And then, after we've done that, then we give, right? So it's me, me, me. Then if I have any left over, then if there's anything left over, what I'll do is I'll give and I'll take that checkout and I'll hand it over real slow because I just want to make sure God's paying attention. God, I don't know if you see what I'm doing down here. I'm about to give, I know it's a very rare thing, but it was a good month and it's a very, I know it's a big deal. Oh, Please don't applause for me or anything. And so anyway, as I hand over this check pastor, if you just want to take a photo to put on your social media. So again, this kind of comes back to me because it's nice to have a good reputation for being somebody who's generous once a year. And so anyway, just ready to go photo op. Good. All right, sweet. All right. Woo. I feel so good about myself, right? I mean, that's That's honestly how a lot of us live. But here's here's the truth, and you know this. I'm preaching to the choir. When you live this way, you could get by and you enjoy things and you have good experiences. But how many times does that catch up to us? How many times have we lived and not been able to save and we've lived and we've lived and we've lived to the point where we're working and living paycheck to paycheck? And then something happens. Then somebody goes in the hospital. And Then the car blows up, and then a lot of uh, unfortunate events happen. And then we panic. And man, there ain't nothing that makes us panic like money does, does it? And when we panic with money, it hurts us. It hurts us emotionally. It, It hurts us mentally. It takes our peace away. It always hurts us relationally because then we have to argue about how to get ourselves out of this situation. See, here's the thing. This is not just for the benefit of others. This is for the benefit of you as well. Because living a life where you live and save and then give, it always puts you in this predicament where you're not even able to always take care of yourself. So Jesus says, "Let's reorder this thing. Let's pre- pre- reprioritize this thing. Let's change this up, and let's seek first the kingdom of God." And Jesus, this was his this was his idea of how to use our money. This is what he says. He goes, "You should give, you should save, and then you should live. Give, save, and then live." You know, Kate and I. Since we were married, we we, we grew up in homes that did this already. So it was really easy for us to to start doing this when we got married. But we've always, always, always gave 10 to 15% of whatever came in, 10 to 15% went right to Anchored Hope. And that's how we've lived. And then we've always, every month, had a set amount that we wanted to save, that we wanted to go into a savings account for our future, for, for the future of our kids. But also, too, it's always been there so that if something came up, we were always able to help somebody. And then on the rest, on the rest, we live. And and here's the thing that, that I love about my life. I think one of the most blessed things in my life is that because we have set our lives up like this, we have always, 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 we have never been in a predicament where we saw somebody in need and we had to say no. Every time we've come into somebody who is in need, we have always been blessed enough to say yes. And look, that's not because of the amount of money we've made. Because we've had plenty of seasons where we didn't make that much money. The thing is, the way we, the way we were able to do that is because we had always gave and then saved. And always had something saved where we were able to look at somebody else and go, yes, we'd love to help you. I remember whenever the pandemic happened and all of a sudden they told us we weren't going to be able to meet in person. That threw us for such a loop. And you know what? We did not have an online ministry. We didn't have anything going on online. And then all of a sudden we're told we can't meet in person and we have no clue how long this is going to last. And so I looked at the situation and I looked at the church and I told Kate, I said, look, we need to buy a camera. We need to buy a camera and we need to buy this gear And look, the church doesn't have it right now. Nor do I want to put the church in this situation because I don't know what's going to happen. And so look, we need to take care of this. And Kate said, absolutely. Absolutely. And so we took money out of our savings to buy a camera and to buy the gear that would start our online ministry. And man, God has blessed us through it. It's been such an awesome thing to have. But we, we were able to do that. And that wasn't even a hard decision for us. We've had friends. We've had friends who have gone through stuff. We have had friends who have gone through infertility and told us the tens of thousands of dollars they were going to have to save up. And they didn't even ask us. But we were so quick to hand over a check and to support them and help them and say, well look, we, we want to support you guys. We want you to know we love you. And we encouraged other people to do it as well. That was not a problem for us because of the way we had set up our life. Not because of how much money that we, we had or that, we, that, that we, we were getting from our paychecks. It's because we had saved for it. It's because we had a plan for it. We've always been able to do that and we've always lived a blessed life because we've always been able to put others first. And here's the thing. Prioritizing something or someone other than us financially is evidence of submission to God's kingdom. And here's the thing, this conversation always stirs the pot, right? Stirs us up, causes a little bit of tension, causes us to squirm a little bit. And I think the question you have to ask yourself is to pay attention to that tension and ask yourself, why does it make you squirm? Because if money's not your master, then what's the big deal? If money doesn't have you, if you don't serve it, then why is it so difficult for us to talk about? But let's be honest. So many of us, and I've had those times in my life included, it's so much easier to give God your sin and your regret and your shame and your, and your eternity than it is your money. And we don't always trust Him with it. But here's the thing that Jesus is trying to get across. Jesus, Jesus does not care about your money. Jesus cares about you. Because the thing Jesus knows too, not only is this put others first and does this make this an others first kingdom. But look, even if you don't believe in Jesus, if you lived your life this way, if you reprioritized your life this way to give, to save, to live, this is the answer to financial freedom. This is the answer to keep yourself out of debt. This is the answer to be able to set yourself for the future that you want. This this is the way to do it. And so Jesus isn't just telling you this for the benefit of others. Jesus is saying, look, if you ultimately really want to love yourself and protect your marriage and protect your household and protect your financial freedom, this is also what's good for you. So... Here's the thing, every week I've given you some guardrails to put around this thing, some suggestions. And so here is my suggestion, and you've already seen it, but it looks like this. I want to invite you to give and to save and to live. And so this is your homework for this week. Your homework is to sit down and if somebody else is responsible for the finances with you to sit down with your wife or your spouse or whoever it may be to sit down with your family and to look at this and say, all right, so how would we reprioritize this? And the first thing I want you to do is to create a plan to give. I want you to pick a percentage and I'm not even going to tell you what percentage I would recommend. You start wherever you want, but I want you to recommend to give a percentage of your income away on a regular basis. And look again... I'm not telling you to give it to Anchored Hope. whatever you think whatever non-for-profit whatever company or group of people who are doing something that puts other people first then by all means I want you to give to them on a regular basis because how many times do we wait till that non-for-profit or that group has an emergency where they're like hey we can't pay our bills we don't know what," and then they have to have a giving campaign and they're put in a stressful situation let's just not even wait till they're in that situation let's just go ahead and have a plan to give a percentage of our income away. And if that's anchored hope, then fi- then fantastic. Then that's anchored hope. If you believe in what we're doing around here and you want other people to experience what you've experienced, fantastic. But again, I believe full, full heartedly in what they're doing across the street at Shielded by Faith. I believe in what they're doing at the Dream Center. There are several other different organizations all across that take care of family and kids and people in need. Whatever it may be, give something. Away, And then the second thing is to save, to save, to pick an amount that you want to save every single month. And hey, that might might be something small. It might be something medium, whatever it may be, but it's there to save. And it's there for your future hopes and dreams. Because again, it's not wrong to have stuff. But you got to have a plan sometimes to get that stuff. It's not an either or. It's a first then scenario. But you've got to be able to do that. But you also want to be able to save for those situations where something comes up. and somebody, Somebody's in need. And you want to be able to say yes. You don't want to have to say, man, I'm sorry. I want to. My heart feels for you. I want to put you first. But I didn't save for it. And I, don't, I didn't have a plan. And so I don't have it. You don't want to be in that position. So don't put yourself in that position. So save. And then the last thing. The last thing I want you to do is live. Now, here's the thing you're going to hate. Okay? You cannot live properly without a, let's say it all together, budget. Good. Four of us said it. That's, that's how many people have a budget. But seriously, you cannot live without a budget. And, and, and I'll just say it this way. You are not a good steward of your finances unless you have a budget. You're not. If you're just spending, if it's there, you spend it. If it's not, you don't. That's not even smart, especially in the economy that we're in today, okay? That's not smart. If you're going to be a good steward of these resources, you have to live smart, which means you have to have a plan, which means you have to have a budget. And I know, I know what you're thinking. You're like, but 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 my Starbucks, but 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 my Amazon addiction, you know? But 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 I know I know I know I know I know I know. But look, at the end of your life, when your life is nothing more than a story to tell, what story do you want told? Because stuff, stuff comes and goes. There's always something bigger, there's always something better. There's nothing that gives you that shot of dopamine that ever really lasts. This is about building a legacy. This is about having a purposeful life. This is about having a plan. And here's the thing. If you would have a plan for this stuff, if you would have guardrails around it, you would be better equipped and ready to love God, to definitely love others, but ultimately, too, you'd be better prepared and able to love yourself. And ultimately... Is that such a bad life? Is that a terrible thing? Because we've all tried and been with the alternative. A lot of times, it's a crapshoot if it works out for us. But this, this is the way to freedom. Let me pray for you. Father God, this morning as we come to you, God, this is never a fun conversation because we all know that it means possibility of me making a sacrifice. Me saying no to myself. God, I know that if I was honest with myself, there are some things that probably have a hold of my life. There are some areas where stuff has me. So, Father God, would you this morning help us pay attention to that tension? God, if there's something in our hearts right now that's stirring, man, we've talked about this as a family. We know we need to sit down and make a budget. We know that we can't continue this way. We need to save. We know that we only give when we have it. And that's not a way that I want to live because it's not a question of whether I have it or not. I have it. But the question is, does it have me? And I don't want anything to have me. I don't want anything to possess me other than you, God. I want you to be the master of my life. I call myself a follower of Jesus. I want to follow you in every area of my life. Life. So if that's that's you this morning, I want you this morning to just pray this prayer to God. God, Father, I give you my life. I give you all of my life. I give you every area of my life, this area included. So will you help me to turn it over to you? Will you help me to trust you in this area as well? Father, we love you. We thank you. And we pray these things in your name. Amen.